coming up in this episode. How can that be interesting? How is that not boring? And yeah, sell it to me, man. What's <laughs> I'm, going on here? <laughs> she's finding like meaning and inner truth, larger questions in like the simplest things. Words have always been my preferred manner of not just communication, but of, of understanding things. You know, it, I operate with a great deal of curiosity. It strikes me that she's using what, what T.S. Eliot called the objective correlative. Is that something you've heard of, or is that just for writer school types? This podcast from Georgia Public Broadcasting highlights books with Georgia connections, hosted by two of your favorite public radio book nerds who also happen to be your hosts of All Things Considered on GPB Radio. I'm Orlando Montoya. And I'm Peter Biello. Thanks for joining us as we introduce you to authors, their writings, and the insights behind the stories mixed with our own thoughts and ideas on just what gives these works the narrative edge. Okay, Orlando, what book are you recommending for me today? Well, Peter, I got something different. It's not a book. It is a book. I am going to get to a book, but what I'm really talking about here today is a writer. Her name is Kathy Bradley. She's from Bullock County. She's a columnist for the Statesboro Herald, and she's been writing every 14 days a column in that newspaper since 1996 with only a two-year break. Wow, okay. And she has a book. It's called Sifting Artifacts. It's a collection of her essays. I've got it right here. But um, so today we're not talking about a story with like a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's no like topic that we normally dive into here other than the writer, Kathy Bradley. Okay. And I know you spent 23 years in Savannah covering Southeast Georgia, including Bullock County. Is this how you know her? You know what? I have to be honest. I only vaguely remember the name Kathy Bradley. Mm-hmm. I'm, I must have seen the Statesboro Herald, uh, must have seen her name. But I actually found her by just Googling authors, and I found out she is a three-time Georgia Writer of the Year selectee. And it's really just surprising that there's not really a lot about her out there. So once you find, you know, something that you think is a rare gem and nobody else is talking about this person, you're like, yeah, you want to champion that person. Okay, well, consider her championed on this podcast. What (laughs) speaks to you about her writing? Well, there's a lot to say. First of all, it's very nature-based. She lives on a farm. She's lived on a farm for 50 years. There's a lot of stillness in her writing. Um, So there's not a lot of grand action. It's like, like murder or Compared to what we normally read and, and, and focus on this podcast, it really is quite a change. Very contemplative, not slow. It's not slow because we're talking about 250-word essays. It's more like poetry. Mm-hmm. And you know how I like poetry. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's, the, it's the art of column writing, which for her is a release. It allows me an opportunity to process what is going on around me, not just in my particular life, but in the um, the community around me, the world around me, you know, what I'm experiencing. Um, words have always been my preferred manner of not just communication, but of, of understanding things. You know, it, I operate with a great deal of curiosity. And when something comes to my mind and I need to know the answer to it, I need to be able to put it into words. So think about that. 250 words every 14 days. Tick tock, tick tock. Deadline. We know deadline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yep. but this column writing every 14 days, 250 words is, like I said, it, it takes a special kind of talent. 
and she's got three books of essays. The latest one is called Sifting Artifacts, and she's working on another one as well that's going to be a little bit different. And you said she's very nature-based. How so? Can you give me an example? Well, like I said, she spent 50 years on a farm. Uh, she moved to... So she's writing about the animals she keeps or she's the plants writing she's writing about, like, walking around in the woods. She's right. I took a... When I was reading this book, I made, like, a list of her topics, and it was, like, um, sunsets, buzzards, cotton, the change of seasons, the leaves, walking in the woods. And you're like... How can that be interesting? How is that not boring? And Yeah, sell it to me, man. What's <laughs> going on here? She's finding like meaning and inner truth, larger questions in like the simplest things. So for like for example. So for example, um in one of her essays she writes about a funeral parlor fan. So you you've been to s- some Southern funerals, maybe? not. Maybe. I have never been to a Southern funeral, <laughs> okay, which so. is sort of a shortcoming for me, I guess. I so need to experiment, experience that part of Southern culture. They might take place in the summer, and it's very, very hot, and they will give you a fan, mm-hmm. a little fan to wave on yourself, right? And I'm sure you've seen the pictures of, like, church people with their fanning themselves. You sometimes think that's just a movie thing. No. This, this Yankee thinks, oh, that's just a, a something a Southern director made up to say. Convince them we're in the South. No, no, it's it's a fan. And you and, and so she takes she's talking about this fan and she says, a comfort. That's what the fan is, not in a physical way, but in the way of being a solace in an uncertain world world. Take this thin yet sturdy piece of cardboard with balsa wood handle and be reminded that something's Last, It won't keep you cool, but it will keep you sure. Okay. So, I mean, that's just poetry to me. Another uh, essay, she talks about a grapefruit, and it becomes a meditation on death. And another essay, she talks about a drive in the countryside, and it becomes about the nature of time. Uh, She talks about the memory of JFK's assassination, and that becomes a story about storytelling. So she talks a lot in, in metaphors. Usually what happens is I spend an awful lot of time outside, and usually I will be outside uh, either taking a walk or just sitting on the porch or, you know, something, and I will notice a particular object or the movement of a leaf or the way a bird lands somewhere, and it, it sort of highlights itself, and I become captured by it, quite frankly, and I stare at it listen to it long enough that I begin to see the metaphor. And I realize that I'm, I'm learning something I didn't know I knew. It strikes me that she's using what, what T.S. Eliot called the objective correlative. Is that something you've heard of, or is that just for writer school types? I've never heard of that. It, essentially, it's, it's a, a technique that, that writers, poets often use, so it seems appropriate here if you, she's you know, writing in a way that evokes poetry for you, is that if you focus long enough on a, on a tiny, tiny detail, how you feel about that thing or the, the universal subject buried in that thing, according to you and your subconscious, is just naturally going to come out. Seems like that's what she's doing there. That's what she's doing. Exactly. Does she always sort of mind the right thing or do you feel ever that she's kind of stretching it to make a point, to fill that deadline, as you said? Not really. I've read this entire book, right? It's got like, I I must have read like about four or five years worth of her essays. And there's there's just not a dud in a bunch to me. Hmm. And if it were me and you and somebody asked me, 
put all my work together for the last four years, I'd have to like seriously edit it, right? <laughs> get out the duds. But I don't get any duds in this one. Wow. So tell me more about her language. You said it was like poetry. Can you give me an example of her poetry? Well, I think that all of the essays are different, but there's a lot of them that have rhythm, uh, a rhythm in the, the words, of the phrases. And she also uses what I'll call country language, words that are specifically about countryside things, words like fence row and penny royal and sawtooth oak. <laughs> I mean, I, I just love these words um, because I don't use them. And I asked her if she was aware of this language use in her work. <laughs> I, I will say yes and no. Um, I, I realize from having conversations with, with people like you that I use words that are unfamiliar to them, but very familiar to me. But at the same time, when I'm writing, I try not to be conscious of it because I want what I'm writing to sound like me, conversational. And those are the words I use in conversation, uh, particularly with my family and neighbors and that kind of thing. Um, but when I go back and read it again, I, I realize what I've done. Uh, and I hope I've written well enough that people can figure out what a fence row is if they've never seen that word, or uh, they, they can figure out what a sawtooth oak looks like. I have no idea what a sawtooth oak looks like, <laughs> but I, I can imagine an oak. I can is that close I, enough? I can envision a fence row. A um, row of fences? A, I, I, and, but <laughs> the, way, the way it's written, it, it just all fits and it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is she a farmer? Like when she's not doing these columns, is she actually like... She is a retired lawyer. Can you believe it or not? Okay. (laughs) I can imagine then why she would want to sort of seek refuge in in the opposite of a courthouse, which is a farm. She's lived (laughs) on her farm, her family farm, for 50 years, Uh, but she retired as a lawyer four years ago. She spent 38 years in practice, uh, 19 years in private practice, and 19 years as a prosecuting attorney in juvenile court. And the, the interesting thing is that none of that comes out in her writing. Um, so in her writing, there's like very few like inside scenes. Like there's very few like I'm at a shopping mall or I'm in an urban setting um, or, or I'm inside somewhere. She's usually outside somewhere or talking about relationships with other people. Now, of course, she can't write about her attorney client matters, especially in juvenile court. But she's a very curious person. And that comes across in her writing. She uses metaphor a lot. And I imagine that she would find curiosity and metaphor in the work she, that she does as a lawyer, but she just she just can't write about it. I tend to um, be very empathetic. And if I were to write much about other people, I would I would have to be very careful of their feelings. And I think that if, if I have any um, any identifying quality at all in my writing, it is that I am willing to be vulnerable and open. And I have the right to do that with regard to myself and my own experiences, but I don't have the right to do that to other people. Um, The book that I'm working on now, I'm changing some names. It's a little different from the first three books, and uh, and I'm changing names in it because I, I don't have the right to tell somebody else's story. I only have the right to tell mine. Now, the reason that's interesting to me is because that's the opposite of what you and I do, right? Right. We're trying to put people on the record with their name out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I try to keep myself out of the story. Yes. 
And it's all about the story in that other person, right? Mm -hmm. So this is completely the opposite of what I do. And so maybe that's one reason I'm attracted to it, because it is is so interior. I'm trying to think of the state of mind I would have to be in to pick up a book like this. And I'm sort of thinking of like, you know, long days of work uh, where I'm just immersed in a city and I just want quiet and I just want to be away from people for a little while. And I just want someone to paint a setting for me so that I feel like I've just been dropped into it. Yeah, this book is certainly something to calm your spirit. It's reminding me of not having read it, just having you describe it to me. It's it's reminding me of a couple of things, uh, both of them from Vermont, actually, which is also big into the farming life, right? Uh, one is uh, a writer, Chris Bojalian. Do you know Chris Bojalian? No. He's fairly popular. He writes novels. His novel Midwives was an Oprah selection back in the day. Anyway, he wrote a column which seems similar to what she's writing. It was called Idle Banter. I-D-Y-L-L banter Mm -hmm. um, where he's writing about sort of small town Vermont life and in the way that it seems like that she's writing about small Georgia farm life. And the other one is, is David Budbill who was a poet and playwright. He died a few years ago and he wrote kind of the meditative poems where he really honed in on simple objects around his, his rural mountainside home. Sounds pretty similar. So if I, I mention all this because if writers are already like tuned into this book, um, and they're looking for something similar, I think those two would probably meet it. The Columns by Chris Bojalian, not his novels. Well, I think that this, it's great that you found an example of what she does or something similar. First time anyone's compared Vermont to Georgia in the history yeah, of comparisons. Lot of, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of similarities. <laughs> a lot of similarities. Yeah, that's no, that's true. They're, if you look for them, they're there. They're, I promise. So a lot of columnists, essayists in Georgia in general, Orlando, what gives her the narrative edge? Well, like I said, she's revealing herself. She's revealing the strangeness of her imaginings. And I don't find a dud in the book. I, I pick a date. Pick a date <laughs> between uh, January 15 and December 18. And you'll find one. I'll find, and I'll pick out an example here and, and read you something. Okay. Uh, let's do February 1st. Okay. 15, 16, 17, or 18? Uh, 15. We'll just do 15. Okay. February 1st, 15. From inside the house, I can hear both sets of wind chimes clanging, harmonizing from opposite eaves, dancing madly like Russian Cossacks. The sun is high and the light is white. There is no good reason to stay inside. The ruts in the road have dried into peaks, crunchy beneath the footfalls that I am trying unsuccessfully to slow to a stroll. I am wondering, is the sky really the bluest sky I've ever seen? That does sound like poetry. And it goes on from there. Again, very beautiful, poetic, still meaningful, deep, all while talking about the most ordinary of things. I just try to be very aware of this moment. And um, someone asked me not long ago about the fact that my pieces are dated. You know, and and why did I do that? And... um, I had to stop and think about it because it, I hadn't really given it a whole lot of specific thought. But the idea that um, life life is very, um, you know, finite is such a, a ridiculous word to use, but, but everything about it is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be sitting here talking to you ever again, not like this. 
not with Benjamin sitting here very patiently listening to us and, and his cat moving around the apartment and the sunlight coming in exactly the way it is. It's never going to happen again. And one of the things that I try to do in my writing is to encourage people to to understand that a little better than sometimes we do when we're you know running from jobs to children's ballet lessons to back to the house. You know, we we get too busy. And I, I want people to take a moment and realize this is the only time you're ever going to have this moment. So to get back to your question, no, I don't run out of things because every day, every moment's different. All right. So she has three books of collected essays, Breathing and Walking Around, Wandering Towards Center, and the latest released in 2022 called Sifting Artifacts. She's working on the next one. But you can also go to KathyABradley.com, and every 14 days, she drops a new column. Wow, okay. Kathy Bradley, Sifting Artifacts. Orlando, thank you so much for sharing this. Really, we do appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Narrative Edge. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. This podcast is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Find us online at gpb.org slash narrative edge. You can also catch us on the daily GPB news podcast, Georgia Today, for a concise update on the latest news in Georgia. For more on that and all of our podcasts, go to gpb.org slash podcasts.